Good evening. As promised, I am back here live. I'm Adrian Mayfield. I'm going to do about 60 seconds of announcements just to give people a chance to realize I'm on. It is pretty late here. So if you're catching this on the replay, it might be even better for you because it is really late, almost midnight, and it's early in the week. But anyway, I'm Adrian Mayfield. I'm author of four books. Those books are Connecting with the Burning Bush, which teaches you how to use the pain in your life to find your purpose. Then I have, um, I'm tired of this church, losing religion, and find God. Teach you how to have an authentic relationship with God that's based on relationship. Who's following you teaches you that influence is about legacy, not about followers and likes. And I released a devotional last year called You're Too Full to Be Empty, Lessons for Women Who Are All Tapped Out. It is a devotional for women. They're all available on my website at adrianmayfield.com. I have a podcast, which is called Beauty for Ashes, available on all podcast platforms. If you'd like to be a, a guest on my podcast, please text me. That's my text number. It comes directly to my phone, 770-746-8453. And that is my website scrolling across the bottom where all my books are. Also, my courses. I have a course on healing from church hurt, healing from family dysfunction, healing from grief, healing from the orphan heart, and of course, called Divorce Does Not Equal Damage Good. All those resources are there as well as trauma coaching. So if you need any of those resources, please check out adrianmayfield.com. And if you want to be a guest on my podcast, text me 770-746-8453. Also, one other thing is tomorrow I'm going to be interviewing a very exciting, talented guest, multi-time um, multi Amazon bestseller. She's a coach. She's a minister. She has a lot to share about exposing it, exposing how exposure brings way to healing. So check us out tomorrow at 5 Eastern Standard Time. That's Tuesday the 26th at 5 Eastern Standard Time. Mark your calendars and don't miss it. So yesterday I started talking about church mafia and I shared my church history. It went much longer than I had planned for it to go. I was sharing with you about my story of church history of being born in Baptist church and then moving, getting introduced to the um, apostolic prophetic movement and the different experiences I had there. Let me remove these banners because they kind of irritate me on the screen. I'll put them up again at the end. But so I started sharing those stories about my church life, my history, and I got carried away in telling my story. And people were commenting, asking questions. And so I didn't get to the rest of the meat of what I had to say. So I did talk about how the church, in order for us to be what God has called us to be and to experience this great revival that God wants us to have, we're going to have to unify. That's one of the biggest issues in the church today is the fact that we don't unify. There's also an issue with, with sound doctrine. <laughs> now, that's also a major issue currently. But there's also the issue of the lack of unity. And so um, I really want us to begin to focus on that. And so part of that is my commission, my responsibility. So I decided to do this live. And so this live, the first part I talked about, a couple of scriptures I shared. One of the scriptures was about when Jesus cast out the demon and then they accused him of casting him out by Beelzebub. Basically accusing him as working about working on the same side as the enemy. And he said... A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So he basically was letting us know there, as long as we stay divided, as long as we keep fighting and nitpicking over things of like whether women can wear makeup, whether women can preach, whether the Holy Spirit is still in existence, all of those issues that separate the church currently, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So as long as there's division, as long as there's division, you can't expect 
to assume a position of leadership and authority and take the dominion that God has told us that we're called to make. So we talked about that. We also, I shared with you that I was reading a newsletter by Derek Prince. And in that newsletter, he talked about how when Paul was writing the New Testament letters, how he just referred, wrote those to a church, the church in Thessalonica, the church in Philippi. And so there wasn't like all these different factions and he would just address it to that one church. And so we talked about that. We talked about how there's only one bride. When Jesus returns, he's coming back for one bride. He's not a bigamist, right? He's not going to come back for this church and that church. He's coming back for one unified church. And so we better be about the business of unifying. We also looked at the scripture in Luke 9, where um, the disciples came and told him that there were some people who were casting out demons in his name, but they weren't a part of their group. And the, the, the disciples told them, you don't need to be doing this because y'all are not with us. Like, who who you with, right? Like, you're not part of us. You don't go to our church. Surely God couldn't be using you. You just got saved. You haven't been saved. You have, you're not ordained. All the different things that we use to try to disqualify people. Now, obviously, there are standards. There's protocol and different things. People need to be tested. They need to display the gifts and the fruit, not just the gifts, but gifts and fruit. Really, more fruit than gifts <laughs> works best. And so all of those things are necessary. People need to be vetted. They need to be tried and tested before they're platformed. All those things are true. But at the same time, we don't need to disqualify people because they're not a part of what we're doing. We shouldn't disqualify the value and the benefit of the work they're doing for the kingdom if it is really benefiting the kingdom just because they're not part of us. And so Jesus rebuked them and told them that if, who's not for us, it's who, if, you, if they're not working against us, they're for us. If it's advancing the kingdom, if people are hearing about me, which they're hearing the gospel, then that's all that really matters. And so that's what we need to focus on. We are one kingdom, right? There's only two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of darkness and kingdom of light. So if people are doing things that advance God's kingdom, we should be able to get behind it, whether we like them or not, whether we agree or not, whether they just got saved or not, whether it's a different denomination or not, it doesn't matter. If it's advancing the kingdom, if it's preaching Jesus crucified, Jesus resurrected and is connecting the story of Jesus Christ to our reconciliation to God. They are sharing the gospel then we should be behind it and be supporting it. So we talked about that scripture. I have a couple more scriptures to share with you. Uh, Luke 9 is the one we're going to next. Luke 9 chapter, Luke chapter 9 verses 51 through 56. It says, that, now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up, that he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He sent messengers before his face. As they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But they did not receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. When his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them like Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are. For the son of man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. So here the disciples are. They go somewhere. The people there don't receive Jesus. And what do the disciples say? We need to call down. They don't. Oh, they they rejecting us. Oh, they don't want to hear from you. Let's call down fire and burn them all up. <laughs> That's how we are sometimes. We want to throw people away if they make mistakes. We want to say that, you know, people shouldn't be at church if they do this or they did. That's where they need to be. Now, that doesn't mean they necessarily need to be leading or on a platform. But if you're the biggest sinner in the world, you need to be in church. You need to be sitting on a sound doctrine. You need to be hearing the gospel. You need to be hearing the message of repentance and reconciliation to God 
so that you can be converted and changed. What better place for you to be than church, right? And so they were warned to rain down fire. Jesus told them, no, I didn't come to, I didn't come to destroy me as lives. I came to save them. But that sounds just like us, right? Let's look at Luke 16. Luke 16, verse 13. says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to them, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so Jesus is having this moment with the disciples. He's asking them, who do you say I am? And that's what Jesus says to you today and to me. Who do you say I am? Because it's not so much about what people say or what they believe, but who do you believe? Because each of us is going to stand before God and give an account for ourselves. So the fact that we have talked about how bad the other people were, how bad or how we weren't doing things that they weren't doing, and we must be righteous because of that. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags before God. We all need the Savior. Otherwise, Jesus would not have come. And so because of that, Jesus says to you today, who do you say I am? Don't point the finger. Don't look at other people. In order for us to be who we need to be, who God called us to be, we have to do self-evaluation and begin to ask ourselves, who is God to us? Do we have the personal relationship with him that we're supposed to have? That's what my second book was about. I'm tired of this church. In that book, I talked about how the Pharisees and the Sadducees had all these rules. They kept things perfectly. But Jesus said, you're like whitewashed, whitewashed tombs full of dead men's bones. What was he saying? On the outside, you got the pump. On the, out, on the outside, you got all the pomp and circumstance. You got all the, you say the perfect words. You memorize the scripture. You know all the things that you should say. But your heart is far from me. I don't have your heart. We don't fellowship one with another. And you don't really know me. And there's another, and Jesus also said to them then, he said, you, um, you don't come in yourself, but you try to keep other people out. So you don't want an intimate relationship with me. You don't want to know God as father. You don't want to know me as savior, but you try to block anyone else who wants to get close and get to know me. And so that's not what we should be doing as the church. We should be welcoming those who don't know Jesus. We should be telling them the truth of the gospel. Of course, we're telling them that they need to repent and be saved. But then once they do that, we need to provide a discipleship model that helps to teach them the word of God. It teaches them about the word and the spirit so that they can become strong, productive members of the kingdom so that they can go each one, reach one. You, you reach one, disciple them, they reach one, and then it continues to grow. Another big missing piece in the modern church, particularly in the West, is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, keep in mind that Jesus told us, he, he told the disciples, I'm going away. But it's, more, it's better for you that I go away because when I go away, I'm going to send a helper, a helper. He will come back. He will testify to me. He will convict the world of sin and he will lead you into our truth. And so that's the role of the Holy Spirit. He's the one who's here in the earth now with us. And a lot of times people will, you know, they'll be like, okay, with God, they'll be questionable, but maybe okay with Jesus, but then they completely leave the Holy Spirit out. 
Well, the Holy Spirit is the one who's here in this dispensation, this time, this era. He's the one who's here with us to help us, to teach us, to testify of Jesus and to lead us in the truth. He is called the helper and he's also called the comforter. And so in Luke 24, 49, Jesus had spent the time with the disciples. He taught them. He given them the word. He told them what they needed to do. He instructed them, but he said, still, I don't want you to don't leave just yet. Well, why? Why? You might say in Luke 24, 49, he says, behold, I send the promise of the father upon you, but tarry into the city of Jerusalem until you are due with power from on high. Who was this power? How are they going to get this power? The power will come through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. He is the third person of the Godhead. But without that power, the disciples would have been unable to do the miracles they did. They would have been unable to have the um, the all of the people, like the 3,000 being saved in one day and being able to do the miracles of people being, being healed by shadows and all those things were possible because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we need the Holy Spirit. We can't kick him out. We can't act like he's not a part. He is very much a part. And that's another issue that we experience sometimes now with people saying he doesn't exist. You can't speak in tongues. You shouldn't speak in tongues. Why are they praying? Why are they praying the spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? We just need Jesus. Jesus saved us. And we get into all of these um, arguments and divisions that are not biblical. And as a result, the Holy Spirit's like, I'm here available to help you. Do you want the help? Because you can't do this by yourself. In this day and age with the rise in witchcraft, people burning sage, people doing yoga, people uh, doing spells and incantations, talking to the ancestors, all of this stuff that is completely de demonic and opens the doorway for the demonic activity, you're going to need power. You're going to need power to be believable. You're going to need power to sustain yourself in this evil day, to not be deceived with all of the smoke and mirrors and lying and deception that's in the world today. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the word. You need a strong relationship with the word, but you also need the Holy Spirit. Okay. And also, so in Acts, when we read about Acts and the Acts of Apostles and they were waiting and Jesus told them wait, and the Holy Spirit came, there was always in this, in the book of Acts, this emphasis on unity, right? And in Acts 2, 1, it said, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And we know they were all in with one accord in one place. And that's when the Holy Spirit came. And so what is this telling us? Until we get on, until we get on the same page, till we get, till we get on one accord, then we're not going to see the power. We're not going to see the revival. We're not going to be able to harvest the souls that we need to be able to return back to Jesus and say, this is what I've done. I've shared you with, I've shared you with these people. I've introduced them to you. And now these are the trophies that I'm presenting to you. These are the souls they have come to you because you use me to speak to them and tell them about you. We're not going to be able to have that harvest. We're not going to be able to have this revival that everyone keeps talking about until we come together and we get on one accord. And to do that, we have to stop competing. We have to stop being jealous. We have to stop being envious. We have to stop acting like the church is a gang or the mafia. Like, are you with us? You red, you blue, what color are you? Who are you with? You Catholic? You Baptist, you Pentecostal, you non-denominational, like you AME, Methodist, CME, like we have to stop with the nonsense. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. There is Jesus, the kingdom of light. There is Satan, the kingdom of darkness. And so if people are representing the kingdom, if they're advancing the kingdom, I can't keep saying this enough. 
if they are standing for Jesus, if they are representing the kingdom of God, then we should be backing what they're doing. There's no competition. If there's someone else who writes a book called Connecting with the Burning Bush, and excuse me, and they and that resonates with you, why should I not get behind and support it? If someone is having an event and I know that that person loves Jesus and is going to advance the kingdom, why would I not? Why would I tell people, well, you better not go there. If you go there, then you need to stop coming here. If someone wants to move and go to another church, why would the pastor curse them and say, if you leave this church, you're never going to be blessed. You're going to be cursed. All this stuff is demonic. Church is not a gang, guys. It's not the mafia. We are a family. We are a kingdom of God. We're called to love each other. We're called to walk together in unity so that we can be about the business of advancing the kingdom, of sharing the gospel so that people can be saved, right? Be saved and be reconciled to the Father. So I wanted to share uh, two last scriptures. And these are, again, about unity because that's what I really want, want the emphasis of the second part of this live to be about. In John 13, 35, Jesus said, by this will all know you're my disciples if you love one another. Jesus, so did Jesus say people will know you're my disciples by how you prophesy, by how accurate you are, by how many titles you have? No. How big your church is? No. He said, people will know you belong to me. People will know you are truly my disciple by the way you love each other. If you love each other, then people will know you belong to me. And you know, a lot of times people will say that Christians are so nasty. They're just some of the nastiest people you ever meet. That should not be the testimony because that's not the testimony. The fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, self-control, right? So we should display those fruit if we belong to Jesus. All right. The last scripture is 1 Corinthians 13, 13. It says, now abide these three, faith, hope, and love. But guess what? The greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. So love is what it's all about. Love is what the reason that Jesus came. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So we should be marked by love. We should not be marked by division. We should not be marked by separation. If you have a calling from God and you're called to do something, you shouldn't have to hide it from people in your church because you think or they think that you're trying to steal people from the church or trying to compete with the pastor or compete with the pastor's wife. All of this stuff is foolishness, guys. It's foolishness. We should be supportive of each other as long as it's advancing the kingdom. doesn't matter where you go to church or any of those kinds of things. If it's advancing the kingdom of God, he who is not against us is for us. So what should we do? In this letter from Derek Prince, he says there's three things that we should do. First of which is repentance. We need to repent. We need to confess. We need to say, God, you know, we got it wrong. We thought this was about platforms. We thought it was about microphones. We thought it was about loyalty. We thought it was about cults. We tried to separate and make people like be off to, off to the side and show their loyalty by not speaking to people and alienating people and all this kind of foolishness. God, we repent. This is not you. It's demonic. It's not you. That's the first step. So whenever we get out of line, whenever we get away from God's plan, we always should repent. The second thing is once he says refreshing. So it's three R's, repentance, refreshing, and restoration. So first we repent. After we repent, then we begin to, to experience the refreshing of God. God we're back on God's plan. We're back on his schedule and he'll begin to refresh us and he'll begin to excite us around the call and what we're called to do. 
And But before you can get that refreshing, you have to repent. The last thing is restoration. God, as we repent, we've repented, God begins to refresh us and give us, set our eyes on the prize. What's the prize? Souls. What's the prize? Bringing souls into the kingdom, discipling people, advancing, building the army of God so we can prepare for Jesus' return. Because Jesus is coming back, guys, and ultimately that's the, that's the thing. When Jesus returns, we want to go with him. We want to be with him. And he says he's coming back for a church that's, that is without a spot or wrinkle, right? And so we have to prepare for that. And so part of that preparation is the repentance, the restoration, the reconciliation. There's some people that you have not forgiven that you need to forgive. There's some stuff you're holding in your heart that you're going to have to squash. Jesus said that if we don't forgive, he can't forgive. And I need to be forgiven. So even though people have done some pretty foul stuff to me, I forgive and I forgive quickly because I don't want any of my sins to be counted against me and God to be unable to forgive me because I'm willing, unwilling to forgive my brother. That's Bible. People don't talk about it. We don't talk about it in church a lot. You see church people being nasty, bitter, unforgiving, vengeful. It's not God. Jesus's message was clear. If you don't forgive, we can't forgive you. And we need his forgiveness. So you better be about the business of forgiving. It can be difficult. People can be shady, but you have to forgive God. So we repent, we receive restoration, we receive refreshment, and we do all of these things for Jesus' return. Ultimately, we are waiting and preparing for Jesus' return. He's coming back for one bride. He's coming back for one church. Remember, Jesus is not a bigamist. He's not coming back. He's not a polygamist. He's not coming back for six and seven different factions, five different factions. He's coming back for one church, one bride. And so we better be about the business of unification, of advancing the gospel, stop with all the jealousy, stop with all the backstabbing, stop with all the ripping and all of this foolishness. The only thing you need to be ripping is that you are a son of God, that you belong to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that the entrance of your word brings light and understanding to the simple. Thank you for the light that you provided to us tonight about your goal, your agenda for our lives. Thank you for reminding us that unity is your ultimate goal for us. We want to be prepared for you. We want to be the church that without this, without spot and wrinkle. Father, we ask that you would search our hearts. Search us. Try us. Open our hearts with your scalpel and begin to expose those parts of us that are not subjected to your will. Begin to expose those parts of us that are housing jealousy, housing competition, housing bitterness, housing hatred, housing unforgiveness, housing idolatry. Father, we repent for that. And we ask that you would just cleanse us again, wash us up and set us up on a righteous right path for you. I pray for everyone who is watching now, even those who will watch on the replay, if they've been hurt or wounded by, the, by someone in church, Father, we pray that you will give them the grace to forgive. Give them the grace to forgive so that they don't walk around bond, in bondage, they don't walk around wounded or in shame or even angry. We pray that they will not turn their heart from you because of something they've experienced from someone in church. Father, we thank you for loving us. Jesus, we thank you for your blood. We thank you that it even now it cries out and it's on spilled on the mercy seat, crying out a thing that speaks better than that of Abel. Holy Spirit, thank you for training us. 
Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for living inside of us. We repent of our division. We repent of our idolatry. We repent of our jealousy. We repent of our backstabbing and our emphasis and focus on ourselves and not you. We place you back on the throne of our hearts, Jesus. We give you the glory. It is you who deserves the glory. It is you who deserves the worship. And so we repent for areas and times when we've taken that worship and glory from you and given it to ourselves. We pray for the global church. We pray for those um, who are being martyred for the faith now. We pray courage for them. We pray you will strengthen their hearts, that you will cover and comfort the hearts of their fam family members because Christians are being slaughtered all over the world. Here in America, we do experience some ostracism, some alienation, and people um, will avoid even speaking out because of, the, of being left out, Father. But we know in other places, people are literally giving their lives for the gospel. So we pray for them. We don't take it lightly. We undergird them. We send courage to them. We send strategy to them. We send the fire of the Holy Spirit to protect them. We cover them, Father, and we thank you for their testimony. We thank you for their stories. We thank you that even through their bloodshed, that people come to know you. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would unify us, that you would bring us together as was Jesus' prayer. I pray for everyone who is watching now, even those who will watch on the replay. We are not a church mafia. We are not a gang. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, Holy Spirit, to get it together. Help us, Holy Spirit, to get it together because we want to bring you glory, Father, and we want to hear you say, well done, my good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, guys. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for watching. Please share this with some of your friends, your family members, people who need to hear it. Maybe someone's been wounded deeply in church and they've left church and gotten involved in some type of cult or false religion. Share it with them so that they can hear the truth of the gospel. I also, one of the courses that I have is called Healing from Church Hurt. That's on my website if anyone is interested in that. And also, um, I'm going to put my text number up once again, because if you want to be a guest on the podcast or to come on here and talk about the issue that's um, pressing on your mind, maybe a story of overcoming, story of victory, I would love to have you come on or even on my podcast. Text me at that number and let's talk about it. That is my website, adrianmayfield.com. And thank you so much for watching. God bless you and have a good night.